Hello and welcome everyone to the Sports Unite podcast. This is episode 19. We are 19 now. We can drink all over Canada. Almost 21 to go down to the States. But we are trudging along episode 19. Thank you very much for welcoming us into your ears as you listen. Today is a glorious day as it is NFL opening kickoff day. It's a It's a wonderful time of the year, always very exciting, and something very unique about today is, today is the first day, so we are recording on Thursday, September the 10th, today is the first day ever that the NFL, MLB, NBA, WNBA, MLS, and NHL are all playing on the same day. I know it sucks with this pandemic and uh, things aren't quite as normal as what they normally are, but... We get cool stuff like this happening, so very, very cool to be in the midst of all these sports playing, and you have the ability to watch it, so hopefully you are watching some of it, at least one of those sports that was mentioned on there, and let's get into some great news that will unite us all. So, uh, interesting fact This is the first season since 1997 that no person named Manning was quarterback in the NFL. That's crazy to think for so many years, from 1997 to last year, 2019, that there was at least one Manning at quarterback. And now there's none. We'll just have to wait for the Manning children to bring up and come back and take the legacy of the Manny name to new heights, hopefully. We don't know. Maybe none of the children will play football. We want to give a huge Sportsnet podcast congratulations to Bobby Ryan for winning the Bill Masterson Trophy. Uh, love Bobby Ryan. Uh, great pickup. A lot of people have problems with the trade. Uh, for what it's worth, I think we got a heck of a player as an Ottawa Senators fan, and as much as everyone hounds, especially the big names in Ottawa, for not their consistency, that's just sports. Of course, everyone's been upset with Bobby Ryan at times for not uh, playing up to what uh, a lot of the fans think he can for getting injured and frustrated, but the 2017 run, just all of the Bobby Ryan goals and celebrations and what he's done for the team and to be able to openly talk about his problems and then come back score the hat trick and be a leader to for change for people who need help uh, I think is a brave thing to do so Bobby Ryan big hats off to you congratulations on the Mill Masters and Trophy and uh, great success on uh, continued uh, recovery Great news in the world of equal pay uh, beginning to happen in pro sports. It's very, very slow process, but uh, soccer seems to be the leader in uh, equal pay between the men's and the women's teams. Uh, And not one, but two new teams have joined the ranks of equal pay for their national teams. So Brazil and England have joined the likes of Australia, Norway, and New Zealand as equal pay nations for their soccer teams. 
little victories like this mean a big in the grand scheme of things and going forward so congratulations to those teams for coming to the realization that there should be no pay gap when you have national team or any for instance but uh you know congratulations on paving the way and hopefully sometime soon we don't have to talk about equal pay smiling hank uh, is now a member of the Bears coaching squad. So congratulations. So uh, Henry Burris, smiling Hank, if you know him from the CFL and his time with different teams, uh, winning a few great cups and great cup MVPs, uh, has gone down and uh, began coaching with the Bears coaching staff during the spring, uh, not spring camp, but training camp. And uh, he's staying on as a coach. So huge congrats to him. Uh, and best of luck to uh, your team. We're going to get into our first segment of the day. It's Put It On The Board. If you're not aware, Put It On The Board is our rank or list segment where we list different things from topics. Uh, we have a big discussion on our social media page, Sports Night Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Sports Night Pod 1 on Twitter, where, we're your, where we are asking your favorite sports movies. We're going to do a very contentious top 10 very soon, uh, gathering the list, all the intel. I'm going to give my list, and we're going to compare it to some of the people that have commented. So get on online and comment on our social media page to get your say of what your favorite sports movies are, because I'm sure there are going to be some ones that you're going to yell, what are you talking about? Why do you like that? Are you kidding me? You picked that one? So get on the social media, share the podcast, and uh, give us your opinion. But this week's uh, Put It On The Board, in celebration of kickoff day, which we have a game going on right now, the kickoff, uh, Kansas City versus Houston, rematch of the divisional playoffs. Uh, it's almost halftime with Kansas City leading 14-7. to We are going to do our top 10 NFL games from 2019. So at number 10, we have the Ravens chief meeting in the regular season. Uh, expectations were that this could be an AFC championship game uh, going forward. It was a good tilt, explosive uh, on offense for Kansas City at least. And once they took the lead, they never looked back. And uh, they were able to get the job done and defeat Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore did try and come back, but it was just too little too late. And the Texans actually just missed a field goal with 25 seconds left in the second quarter. So uh, score is still 14-7. On our list, number nine, the Ravens 49ers. Uh, many, many saw this as a potential Super Bowl matchup, a rematch of the 2012 Super Bowl. Still bitter about that one. And uh, defense came to play. They showed up. Both teams were on it. Jackson was on it. Jimmy was on it. Uh, defense. It was essentially going to come down to who could stop the ball the last. And just wasn't up to the 49ers as Justin Tuck scored that field goal with no time remaining. And the Ravens pulled out the victory, and it was a hard-fought matchup. Very, very good. 
uh, and that's our number nine. Our number eight, which many people don't seem to remember, is the week five matchup of the Seahawks and Rams. So being a fan of an NFC West team, every time you play another NFC West, it essentially will determine who wins the division. In this week five matchup, both teams were three and one. And uh, each game is harder and harder the, the later you get in the season. So the, if you can pull out a victory earlier in the season, if your schedule matches up that way, it's going to lead to you bettering your position later on in the series and in the season. So with both teams at 3-1, and one, uh, it was a back-and-forth close match with Seattle. Uh, lots of action happening uh, in the last two minutes. There were lead changes in the last two minutes. And it came down to a two-minute drill by LA, which they executed very, very well, except the field goal did not connect, and they lost in the last 15 seconds. It was a nail-biter, and I think a very well-fought matchup that gets lost as the later uh, games go on in the season, as we'll find out on this list because we get some doozies. Number seven on the list is Seahawks 49ers, the Week 10 matchup. Of course, every NFC West matchup matters, but you play each other a home and away. So this Week 10 matchup, San Francisco was undefeated. Seattle was 7-2. and two. And like I said earlier, every game in this division matters. So each team went on a run scoring. There was huge gaps and both teams came back and it ended up going to overtime. That's how close this game was. A last second field goal uh, by the 49ers allowed them to go into overtime where Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson does best and takes control and is able to control the game and won the game for Seattle. And it looked like it was going to come down to those two teams in the division. So the next game was going to be even crazier. Number six on our list is Saints-Texans. Now nobody thought this week one matchup was going to be anything. At least I didn't. Week one matchup, Saints-Texans don't really have a history. Except Drew Brees... Deshaun Watson, two great quarterbacks, except we got a show. Uh, both teams came out hustling. Uh, the Saints turned it around uh, and got taking control of the ball. Texans managed to take hold with a late TD. It was a back-and-forth matchup where lead changes uh, after the team settled down. And Breeze had 37 seconds left to try and get a field goal as the Texans were up by one. As we have an airplane flying over. Gives you the mystery that we're uh, filming or recording this outside. So with 37 seconds left and 
a little bit of field to cover, Drew Brees marches down to the 40 with two seconds left to try for a 48-yard field goal, and they convert for a week one victory that was very much had the atmosphere of a playoff game, which was a great way to open for both teams. Number five, Kansas City Texans. You'll see a theme that there few teams show up a lot on this list because they played a lot of great games last year. The Texans uh, were sneaky all year and able to explode, but not quite what uh, everyone thought. And the Texans exploded in the first quarter and a little bit. 24 to nothing lead on Kansas City. And you're probably thinking, well, Kansas City's very good. How did that happen? It's like they gave them, they said a pat on the back, okay, you start and then we will catch up. Well, about 10 minutes into the second quarter, Kansas City went, okay, we'll start now. And just exploded. And when I mean exploded, is they ran out of fireworks. 51 points they scored. And they scored so many touchdowns, they ran out of fireworks at the stadium. And just... I think it awoke something in Kansas City, which made them dangerous and made them a threat going forward and into the Super Bowl. 51 points after being down 24 nothing is just insane. Number four slot is Minnesota versus the Saints. So in this playoff battle, the Saints had to play Minnesota. Now, the Vikings had been pretty decent all year, but with the Saints playing so many crazy games, uh, some that we haven't even talked about, uh, it was almost expected that the Saints were going to win and travel to San Francisco. But the Vikings had other plans. They said, you know what, we're already on the road. Why go back home? Let's just win and keep going. And that's what they did. They held it tight they held the Saints uh, to low points, which nobody saw coming. And we had to go to overtime. The Saints had to nail a field goal to get to overtime. And then the Vikings scored a touchdown to send them on to the next round, stunning the Saints and stunning many people. And that's our number four game. Our number three game. Uh, many people have this higher, and I'll tell you why in a little bit, but still a great, great game. The Saints 49ers from Week 14. Many consider this to be uh, the best regular season game of the 2019 season, and many thought that this would be a playoff rematch later on. And it went back and forth. It was like two Titans. Both teams scored in the 40s, so it was just an offensive matchup and it took two great teams a lot of scoring comebacks memorable plays and it took one big play featuring everyone's favorite tight end the people's tight end taking it down sacrificing the body with a face mask carrying three defenders for a good 10 yards and the 49ers pulled out the last second field goal for the victory, solidifying that uh, these two teams 
very much could be uh, deciding who would go to the Super Bowl and probably facing each other in the playoffs, except we just found out that Minnesota had other plans. But this was a fantastic game. The second game, I think, is very underrated right now. Is the Week 17 matchup between Seattle and San Francisco. This time in uh, Seattle. I think down the road, this game is going to get a lot more credit than what it has currently. And I think it will be considered the greatest matchup. Now, a lot of people think the Saints 49ers game from week 14 is. Maybe because the score was a little bit higher. But I don't know how you can be. This game had everything. It was winner takes the NFC West. Winner takes the first place in the NFC. So not only are you deciding a division, but you're deciding first place in the conference, potentially, based on the winner. On the last week of the season, also it was pretty close to the last game of the decade going forward and last game of the season, just so, like, I still remember where I was watching this game. It was so well done. Just the game of the year. Uh, both teams, San Francisco essentially had to win. They wanted revenge about uh, the Week 10 matchup. It had it all. It had playoff implications. It had play- playoff atmosphere. And very much Seattle could play San Francisco again in the playoffs, depending on how things worked out. Uh, the announcers even said, uh, you know, a great way to finish off the 100th year of the NFL is how crazy this game was. Uh, it had Marshawn Lynch scoring. It had announcers getting excited. It was uh, nationwide viewing because it was a Sunday night evening game. They essentially saved, both teams saved their best for last. And it, when we say football is a game of inches, this game ended inches deciding the fate of the game on the last play of the game the 49ers defense stuffed Seattle's offense with two inches approximately from the goal line the player was down before the ball crossed the plane so it literally was inches that determined the NFC West the NFC playoff picture and probably helping San Francisco head to the Super Bowl. Inches. So please go back and uh, watch the reviews, uh, watch the highlights, especially of that game because it just it sticks out in my mind what a great defensive stop it was, how both teams just kept going, how intense it was. It was such a great, great matchup. And, of course, we have to put the number one game from 2019 as the Super Bowl. I'm not going to lie, I have not revisited the game since it happened. I guess I had to for this list. For my listeners, I did it for you. Re uh, Rehash the pain that, you know, San Francisco had had the game and stopped playing just let Kansas City come back which they had done two weeks previous so why wouldn't they do it again 
kudos to Kansas City. They had a great game plan. They won it more, scored more points, and won the game. Uh, so kudos to you. It was uh, yeah, it's still tough. That was before the pandemic. That was this year, right? It's been a long year. Started off with that loss in the Super Bowl, but we had a great year. So many great matchups. Uh, it was a great ride. I'd rather go through the ride and be in a chance to win than not have a chance at all. I won't talk about how many times I cried. Oh, it's okay. We won't bring it up again. So that's the put it on the board. Top NFL games of 2019. Let us know what you think. If you agree with the list, would you change a game or two? Uh, who are you expecting to do great this season? Do you have a fantasy team? Let us know on our social media. Uh, again, Sports and A Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Sports and A Pod One. Uh, and we are now going to head to our sports report. So this is a very special sports report as we have uh, a collection. So this week we will introduce Theo. Theo was a student athlete uh, who did swimming. Uh, not a very common sport, but he did swimming in Canada. And we also have an interview with a NCAA student athlete, Rachel, who did uh, swimming in the United States in the NCAA. So we're going to kind of get a uh, interesting look at what the difference is, at least from a uh, swimming aspect, for U Sport, which is uh, Canada, and NCAA, which is the United States. So we're going to pass it off to uh, hear Theo's thoughts of being a student athlete and swimming, what he loves about it. So let's take it away to our sports report. Welcome to this week's uh, sports report. This week we have Theo. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Theo. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, yourself? Uh, my name's uh, Theo Holonia. I was born and raised uh, out east in Sackville, New Brunswick. And I, well, I suppose I did two sports competitively growing up. I was a competitive swimmer and I was also a competitive equestrian uh, eventer, uh, a.k.a. I rode horses. Well, that kind of takes so uh, you were in Sackville, uh, which uh, for those of you who don't know, is a small town in uh, the south end of New Brunswick in the Maritimes uh, part of Canada. So you weren't uh, you were about half an hour away from the biggest city in the province. Uh, what was sports yeah. like in a small town? Um, <clears throat> Sackville. I mean, you know, it's been a long time. It's been about five years since I moved from there and an even longer time since I was really paying attention to the local sports scene there. But when I was younger, and I can't imagine it's changed that much, it was a pretty competitive sports atmosphere. There were, there were a lot uh, of teams, you know, for the schools and for the town. And hockey was big. Football was big. Um, I mean, even swimming was a, was surprisingly big for the size of the community. And just everybody was involved in, at the very least, one sport. And most people were involved in, in more than one sport at some level or another. So was there a, uh, a sport that you enjoyed going to see uh, live or watch on TV uh, more than the others? 
Oh, I mean, I always love watching swimming uh, on TV, but swimming is unfortunately kind of hard to come by on, on TV sometimes. Although the internet's really made it great. It's a lot easier to stream. Um, but I mean, I, I suppose I, I liked going to the hockey games when I was a teenager, but I didn't really pay much attention to the games. <laughs> it was more just the social aspect that I was going for. Um, you know, I probably couldn't tell you who won most of the time. <laughs> that's a very much a small town. Having lived in a small town, that's very much a, you, a the thing you do on the Friday night. You go to the hockey game. Yeah, you go to the high school yeah. hockey game. <laughs> so <clears throat> when did you first learn how to swim? Uh, uh, I was really, really young. Um, you know, uh, my parents had me in swimming when I was very young, just for the safety matter, you know, of knowing how to swim. Uh, we have a family cottage that's on an Island. So you got to take a boat to get there. So, you know, we didn't boat a lot, but we were on a boat at least once a year. And so it was important to know how to swim. So I, I, I was young. What, uh, what was it about swimming that made you fall in love with it? I don't know exactly. I think, I think it was, it, you, there's, you know, you have a, it, try and find my words here. It's kind of a solitary sport in some ways. It's, you know, you have your team and everybody supports each other and you train together. But at the same time, when you're training, it's different from other sports. You can't chat with each other. You know, you got your head in the water. If you're doing a set of hundreds or two hundreds or something like that, you know, you have 30 seconds at the end of the, hundred meters before you got to go again. Maybe you can talk a little bit there, but it's, it's a lot of time to yourself. And I always really liked that. When did you start swimming competitively no. and what, uh, what made you come back to it? Um, I started, I guess I started swimming competitively probably a little bit in elementary school, but really more in high school. Um, and then what made me come back to it I don't really remember that either. I just, I came back. I started swimming again. It's been so long. Was it a kind of a, a weird, because there's, it always seems when you go to school, there's that one kid who does the, the outlier sport. Yep. And so was it like when you told your friends or, oh yeah, I'm swimming. Was it kind of like, well, why? Yeah, I got that a lot because I had a lot of friends that, you know, they played basketball, they played hockey, they played soccer and, and football because, like I said, sports was big in the community. There was, I mean, there was a, a men and women's basketball, hockey, soccer, um, volleyball, like all of those at my high school, plus football also. Um and so there were always people who didn't understand it or didn't get what it was, or yeah, would ask why you do that and things like that, or would just assume that it wasn't a real sport. Um, you know, make comments about shaving legs or wearing Speedos, which we'll probably get into it again at some point. But as someone who swam, that was something that always really bothered me because a Speedo is not like a type of, of bathing suit you wear, it's a brand right it's like calling shoes at nike it's like it doesn't work they're not even the best okay god 
So but yeah, when- it, it was always kind of, I would always have, or not always, often have to sort of explain to people that what it was, why you did it, how, you know, how you would do swimming as a sport, that kind of thing. And, you know, some people just never got it. When did you first, you might not remember this, but when did you first learn that there was a, it, you could do swimming kind of competitively and not just as a leisure or go to the ocean and swim or the swimming pool? I mean, I, my, all my older siblings swam competitively as well. So, I mean, I feel like I probably got that as soon as I started swimming or even before I should say, because they competed. So I always knew that you could do it as, as something as a sport or with competitions. Now, how many swim teams are in New Brunswick? Is it just kind of like the major? So like Sackville, you have one in Shediac, Moncton, there's probably one or two. Uh, um, So let me try and break. Let me see. So when I swam and I got out of the like provincial club, excuse me, I got out of the provincial club swimming scene in like 2007, right? So it's, it's been a while. But when I was there, basically, wasn't like there were any kind of rules about who could or could not have a team. It was just whoever got the resources and the athletes together to put a team together. Mm-hmm. But most of the decent-sized communities had at least, you know, so Sackville had a team. Moncton had two teams, actually. They had a French team, and then they had another team that was across the river um, in <clears throat> in um, – Oh man, why am I forgetting the name? In Riverview, what's wrong with me? Uh, across the river in Riverview, they you know they had a team that was sort of more the English team, although there were people that spoke French that swam for that team, and the and vice versa. Uh, you know, Fredericton had a team, St. John had a team, Miramichi. You know, so it wasn't. You know, there were a dozen teams plus. There were, you know, school teams as well, but though, but school swimming always was second fiddle to the actual provincial swimming. It was none of the, It was one of those uh, sports where you know sometimes the schools, the school team sport is like better. You want to do that than any club team, but then there's also the vice versa where some school yeah, there's, teams there's no resources here. So like, well, the there's club there's is- no there's no. I mean, at least in New Brunswick, there weren't any high school swim teams doing big things. No, you 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 join that team just for the practice, essentially. And I mean, if you were on my town's swim team, the club team, you and everybody who was on that team joined the high school swim team. You didn't have to go to the high school swim team practices. We went to the town practices and they were much more serious than the high school practices would have been and more frequent. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say for, for football, for, for me, my high school team was not very good so it was just really trying out new things and then going to my club team practice and be like look what i can do now yeah so where is your favorite place to swim so that's i got two favorite places to swim i have a favorite place to train and a favorite place to race Uh, my favorite place to train was the mount a pool uh, in Sackville, 
uh, Mount Allison University. I do have fond memories of that pool. Which was where the town team trained. And the reason why I like that pool is actually because that pool kind of sucks. It sucks in the sense that it's not built well for racing. It's not a fast pool. Um, And that might not make sense to some people, but basically there's no gutter. So there's no way to catch the wave. So it's a solid high wall. If you're swimming on the outside lane, your wave comes back at you as you're swimming. Um, It's, I mean, it is a fairly deep pool actually, but it, uh, the, the big thing about it is it's, uh, I can't remember now. It's been so long. It's either four or six inches too long. Uh, when they were when they were building it a long time ago, I think they built the pool in the fifties or maybe the sixties. They just didn't measure it properly, so it's like twenty five meters in six inches, and that six inches adds up when you're training in it, you know. And so you would go from training in a pool that was too long to swimming in a pool that was a proper size when you raced, and you'd notice the difference. So there was, that was, that's my favorite pool to train in, aside from the fact that that was like my home pool and, you know, always nostalgic with that kind of thing. But then I also had, um, there's a pool at the Université de Moncton in, in Moncton. Um, and it's just a very fast pool. It's very deep. So you, uh, it's deep. It's got a really good gutter system and it's got a bulkhead at the back end. And if you hit it right, uh, especially if you can get to it first, you can get a good bounce off it. It's just, it's a very fast pool. So why don't you tell the listeners what's, how, I guess if you're too how do you create a slow pool or a fast pool? Is it just the wave aspect or are there other aspects? Waves have a lot to do with it, the depth of the pool. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, if you've ever seen swimming in the Olympics, you might notice that, especially in the medal races, they don't swim people on the very outside lanes. Those lanes are always empty. So they'll have a 10 lane pool, but there's only eight people swimming. They're doing that because the outside lanes are actually slower. Your wave, the water that you're displacing will hit the wall and come back at you and it will slow you down. It creates drag. Um, And, or at least this has always been my understanding of it. Well, that makes complete sense. So all those listeners out there, when next time you watch, swimming uh in the olympics or world championships uh you know you always hear you don't want to be on the outside lane and very rarely do do winners come from the lane one or eight so it's uh also lane ropes are not so that people stay straight it's to stop waves for all those who swim in a community pool they're to keep you straight but all the professionals out there (laughs) yeah okay that's that's a good point that's a good point we all know those side sideways swimmers and then they kind of put their heads up and go, what? I thought I was going straight. How did I hit the wall? So you went back to swimming in high school. Yes. And uh, fell in love. So you kept swimming. Did you ever think that it would continue past high school? Did you have that Olympic dream? I mean, I... I knew it would continue past high school because I knew that I would continue to swim when I went to university. Um, But I did not really have Olympic aspirations. I was never that good. And I always recognized that. I mean, 
I don't know if that sounds like self-defeating, but I, I never saw it as that. I, you know, I enjoyed what I did and I worked hard, but I, I think, you know, there's a time to just sort of be realistic. And I mean, maybe if I had devoted, you know, all of my free time and energy to it, I could have, you know, sure. I could have probably or definitely been a better swimmer, but at the same time, I wasn't why I was doing it. I think that's the really important part, especially when it comes to sports and you hear, you know, those parents who push their kids and you, you're getting what you want out of what you're doing. You're enjoying the sport, you're staying active, you're constantly getting better and competing. And if that's what you want, then that, why change that? Exactly. So when did you, did you kind of know when you got back into it that you were like, yeah, I'll, I'll swim university or did you have to go through a recruiting process? Um, so my experience in the sense of, you know, saying I know I'm going to swim at university was kind of skewed or warped or however you would want to put it because I really only wanted to go to one university, which was Mount A. Uh, for a whole number of reasons, one of which was the swim coach who coached the town team also coached the university team. And I was very, well, he's the only coach I wanted. He's the only coach I ever actually swam for. So I didn't want to go anywhere else. And so, yeah, it. Did you have any interest from other schools at all? No partially because I wasn't that good, but also just because I didn't apply to any other universities. I, I, I was never going to any other universities. I was going to Mount Allison. That was it. There was no coach in the corner with binoculars looking no. for, looking for no. those diamonds in the rough. Mount A, full stop. So it was kind of an easy transition then to go from your club team because the same coach, same practice pool, same – same practice schedule it because it the mount a swim team was not that big so the higher level swimmers for the town team would actually just train with the mount a team so literally nothing changed in that regard for me practices were the same time same place i swam in the same lane same people now do you think that bodes uh better for an athlete making a transition uh, from high school or club team to a more uh, student athlete uh, so that you have that regularity. So with all the changes of going from high school to university, do you think that kind of eases them into it a little bit? I think it does. I mean, I think I certainly had a much easier time of it than most people would have on account of the fact that I, um, you know, had that really unique experience of, of swimming for the same coach on the town team and the university team. And then, but not just that, but also having the same practice slots. So that was uh, incredibly easy, but yeah, I think it would. How many uh, kids on the, on your university team came from outside of even the province? Were there any? Oh yeah. The, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we always had a, f um, I mean, we actually had a few from all over the place. We had, uh, oh, I cannot remember where Rania was from, but she was from somewhere in the Middle East. Um, I'm, I feel really bad that I can't remember where she was from. 
uh, right now. It's completely escaping me. It was so long ago. Um, you know, we had one girl, uh, Judith, who was there for an exchange. She was from Germany. But yeah, we always had lots of swimmers from Nova Scotia, PEI, um, you know, and from all over Canada for that matter. Um, it was never, Mount Allison University is not an athletic school. You know, they're not really recruiting people. People aren't going to Mount A because they're amazing athletes. You know, if they're looking to make a name for themselves as an athlete, they're probably not looking at Mount A as their institution. It's, it's an academic school. And that's what it's made its name on. And they don't, arguably, they don't really need sports. You know, their most famous alum aren't athletes. So for those of you who uh, have, were never a, a student athlete, uh, what is the main difference of being a student athlete from high school and then in university? Um. Whew. Main difference. Um, Would it be the uh, the workload? Would it be? uh, Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, workload, balancing everything. You know, I went from, you know, high school can be pretty structured and you can be pretty babied in a lot of regards to going to university where, you know, they don't care if you go to class. They don't care if you do the work, right? No one's going to hold your hand. So, yeah, you have to make sure that you stay on top of not just your your training and your practices, but your schoolwork as well. Cause I mean, pardon me, because you can't be a student athlete if you're not a student, <laughs> right? And if you fail in all your classes, they don't let you play. It's not like the States where they have pottery 101 and basket weaving. And Well, I mean, you know what? I'm sure there's probably a few schools in Canada that have, you know, some classes where maybe they, might do things like that, but are you telling me you didn't take rocks for jocks to learn about rocks? Communications major. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll, I'll rephrase it. So many people know the traditional sports. How many people roughly are on yeah. uh, football team, soccer team? So swimming's a little different, and especially from school to school. So how many people uh, did Mount A have on their team? Yeah, so like I, so Mount A, because of the student body not being super large, we didn't have a huge swim team because we didn't have a lot of people to be pulling from. Like some of the other schools, you know, uh, like Dalhousie in Halifax, which has, what, 10,000 kids at it or, or, or easily more. Um, so we didn't really have a, a, a cap. I mean, I'm sure if it had gotten to a point where we were running out of room in the pool, uh, our coach, John, would have you know, said, but we never got to a point where we were running out of room in the pool. We had six lanes and 25 meters. So you could put a lot of people in there and uh, 25 meters, six inches. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole nother person with those six inches. (laughs) Yeah. Six inches matters. Matters fellas. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We can delete that part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we had, we didn't have a number of people that could really be at practice, but we did have a number of people that would be on what we simply referred to as the travel team, which was the num which was the number of people that Mount A would pay for, mm. which was 14, seven and seven, seven men, seven women. 
Um, now that didn't mean that the people that weren't on the quote unquote travel team couldn't go to the meets. You just had to pay for yourself and, or, and again, pay for yourself. You know, we always found ways if somebody really wanted to come, we would, they could come, you know, we'd, you know, bring a cot into the room or double up in a bed. Like it, there were always ways to, to figure it out. Now, would they be allowed to compete as well? Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, they could pay an entrance fee. I don't know. I don't think so. I think you just had to pay like your room and board, mm. your, your, your travel costs. That, yeah, because I think that would make sense because no athlete in uni- the university pays. Doesn't matter. It's yeah. not pay per student. So yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like I mean, you 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 know, the the travel team was the starting lineup would mm. would be what you would I guess what you would call it. But the thing is, is you don't need your backup swimmers at the meet, right? No one's going to get injured and you need to send somebody <laughs> like, it's just, it's not that kind of sport. There's no right? substitution halfway through there. No, but the, sometimes that did happen though, because sometimes someone would get injured or something and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to the meet. And then you can bring somebody up onto the travel team. Mm-hmm. So if you're not aware of swimming, uh, there are, there's a pool. It's a, pretty rectangular and like Theo has been saying it's generally 25 meters uh, in the Olympics it's 50 meters yep uh, so just how many distances or swims <laughs> do you know or can you count so it breaks down into strokes and distances right so there is butterfly which is uh, for Anyone who's not quite familiar, that's the stroke that Michael Phelps is really, really known for. It's the one where you bring both your arms up over the water and bring them down. It's really hard. I hate butterfly. Um, I never enjoyed swimming butterfly. There's backstroke, which is the one where you're obviously on your back. Uh, Then there's breaststroke, which is the one where you bring both your hands together from underneath. And it's, it's a very slow, you're doing the frog kick in it. It's the slowest of the strokes. And then there's um, the event that everybody calls freestyle. You, you do front crawl. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me. So there are those. But then there's also one other event called individual medley where you combine all the strokes together. You start off um, from, yeah, you go butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle. Freestyle. And an equal distance of, of all four strokes. So if it's 100 meters, you do 25 meters. Uh, excuse me. If it's 100 meter IM, you do 25 meters of each stroke. Um, so there's the strokes, but then there's also the distances. So it gets broken down. So there's the 50 meter, the 100 meter, and the 200 meter. And that gets swum in all of the disciplines, breaststroke, freestyle, backstroke, butterfly, and individual medley. Excuse me, there is no 50 meter individual medley because you don't have enough laps. Individual <laughs> medley is only 100, 200, and. F- okay, I got to start this whole thing over. So there's 50 meters, 100 meters, and 200 meters events. So the events in distances go um, 50 meters, 100 meters, 200 meters, and that gets swum in backstroke, breaststroke, butterfly, and freestyle. The individual medley, because as I said, you need to swim an equal distance or equal number of laps of each stroke. You can't swim a 50 meter of it. So you can only swim a 100 
or a 200, but then they also have a 400 meter individual medley. But in the swimming world, individual medley is also abbreviated as just IM. So 100, 200, or 400 IM. But then in addition, freestyle has a 400 meter race, but then there's also an 800 meter race. And then there's also a 1500 meter race. Why, why not hit yourself even more? Oh no, there's more. <laughs> there's also the distance swimming, which they do in open water, which is like 10 K and 15 K. Um, but in pools, it only goes up to 1500 meters and they only do that um, for um, freestyle because I don't know if anyone could actually do 1500 meters of continuous butterfly. Um, I question, I'm not even sure if Michael Phelps could have done that in his prime. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe that's just, that's, that'd be hard on the shoulders. Um, but interestingly enough though, most people are going to be familiar with swimming in the Olympics. In the Olympics, they do not swim a 50 meter butterfly breaststroke or backstroke as an event. They only do hundreds and two hundreds. They only swim the 50 meter, uh, free in the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Olympics. And as well, because it's a 50 meter pool or a long course pool, you can't do a 100 meter. I am. So they only do the 200 and the 400 meter. I am because you can't do that in a, in a long course pool as well, just to make it even more. I've never understood why they did this, why they didn't swim the fifties. But also, women don't swim the 1500 in the Olympics and men don't swim the 800. They only swim the men swim the 1500, women swim the, don't swim the 1500, they swim the 800. Don't ask me why. In my I opinion, you, you were missing out on good races. I right? think they that got comes the pool. from way back they got, when. And... Yeah, they've got the pool, they've got the people there to swim it. They could, it's not like it would take a lot of time to add. It's not like it would take a lot of time to add a bunch of heats of 50 breasts, 50 fly and 50 back. All of those races take less than 30 seconds for the most part, except for the 50 breast. Although at the Olympics, most people will be under 30 seconds. Yeah. I think that just comes from old timey. Oh, women can only go so far and men don't want to, you know, stress at the 800 cause that's the women's length. And, oh, Something old, ridiculous yeah. Like that. Yeah. Too much cockamamie stuff that hasn't been changed yet but maybe in the future now what was your favorite stroke and distance to compete in i was a, a sprint freestyler so i really really loved the 50 free the 100 free was all right after 100 meters i no longer had interest in swimming it uh 200 meters was that's a that was a long race i really did not like the 200 free sound like me uh, in track and field. I did lots of track and field and uh, I did, I was a sprinter. So 100, 200, and then they're like, oh yeah, four by one, sure. Oh, there's this event called four by four. It's like, oh yeah, really? Sure. 400 meters. That's an entire lap. That's so far. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Oh yeah. <laughs> and on paper, it doesn't seem like it, but yeah. No, yeah. You, you look at the, you look at the square and you look at the pool. You're like, oh yeah, that's only so many times. And then you're halfway through. You're like, why am I doing this? Yep. So how many, uh, how many competitions uh, were you able to compete in each year? And did your school ever host a, a meet? So my school never, well, my high school never hosted a meet. Uh, Mount A, we would host one little 
you know, get together every year, but because the pool was six inches too long, it wasn't regulation size. <laughs> so, I mean, you could literally go into that pool and bang out world records. They don't count. So we, we didn't have meets there. Um, now swimming is kind of an interesting thing, like basketball. And this was something that my friends in high school wouldn't, wouldn't get right. Basketball, soccer, hockey, all of those, you play games and you play them like every weekend or sometimes more, right? You're going to play more than once a week. Swimming is a sport where you're, you're trying to lower your time. You're trying to, you, it doesn't, it, it's not going to work if you go race every week, right? You need time to recover. You need time to train and build up your muscles and progressively overload and all of those things. And then you need time to actually recover a little bit from all of that. And so there would only be, you know, swimming on the swim t- at, at Mount A would start first day of classes in September and would go until February. And there'd be, you know, we would come back and have Christmas training camp. And, you know, in that span, you know, there might be three or three swim meets, four, if you qualified for the big one, mm. you know, and, yeah, it's 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 a lot of work for not a lot of payoff, I guess is now how many uh schools had a uh I guess a twenty five meter pool compared to uh like the fifty? Is do most Canadian universities go for the twenty five uh and only like really big schools have a fifty? That's kind of been my experience. I mean, I I can't say for sure what every university in Canada has for their pools, but, you know, out East, there was one university. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm I'm pretty sure the pool in Newfoundland that Memorial has is a 50 meter pool, but I I, may be mistaken. I think you're correct from what I've heard. I may be mistaken about that, but then Dalhousie has a 50 meter pool. Well, because well. they have, yeah, they kind of partner with the the complex there. Yeah. Because so, uh, the, yeah, they have the complex or whatever yeah. they call it. Um, but uh, UNB was twenty five meters. Uh, University of Moncton was twenty five meters. Mount A was twenty five meters. Acadia was twenty five meters. Uh, UPEI, I'm almost a hundred percent positive was twenty five meters. And I mean, I don't think there are any other universities on the East Coast that have a swim team. I think St. Effects might actually, but they have a 25-meter pool too, I'm almost positive. So was your pool a a saltwater pool or was it? No, it's chlorine. (laughs) Chlorine. No, I don't. I think maybe Dal's was was a saltwater pool, but I think that was it. Acadia's definitely was a saltwater pool. Uh, I'll... You'd know better than me. You, you went to Acadia, my I, man's. But yes, yeah, definitely. It, I noticed, jumped in the first time. I'm like, this this pool feels different because all the pools growing up was chlorine. I'd never heard of a saltwater pool before. So, I do. I much prefer a saltwater pool. It's, oh, ha- it's, yes. It's it's something it's just, that doesn't get talked about. No, it's it, it's so much cleaner. Like just everything about it is better instead mm-hmm. of. Like, oh, the chlorine used to do such a number on my skin because you'd just be in it for so long. So did you ever make it to the big meet? Did you ever make it to a nationals? <laughs> no, no, I never made it to a nationals anything. I made it to uh, 
made it to like provincial level things and, you know, like East coast level things. Um, but like I said, I was never a big name in swimming, you know? Um, but I did have a lot of friends and teammates who did and act, you know, uh, my brother, uh, qualified for national several times, but no, never me. So we're going to take you back to your last year going into it. Uh, did you kind of go into it differently? Kind of, did you start to feel nostalgic or actually? Yeah. So my last year I did like the real quintessential on your way out university athlete and actually spent far more time like quote unquote coaching than anything else. You know, I, I, I kind of, well, actually, no, I suppose, I suppose my last year. Yeah, no, it, it was pretty nostalgic, but at the same time for me, it was more, I mean, I'd been doing it for a long time at that point And the thing about swimming is it's, it's, it's a lifestyle in, in a lot of regards um, just because, you know, it's, it's a lot of work that you have to put in for not a lot of return in the sense of, you know, you don't have games every weekend and things like that. Um, you know, it was minimum two hours a day, actually, no, because you'd get there early. Do you? So three hours a day, there'd be morning practices as well. And, you know, it was just, it's a lot of commitment and I don't regret it. I loved what I did, but was time it's time to stop i've also i had also during all that time completely destroyed my shoulder so you know needed needed to take it easy would you ever consider getting into coaching swimming i mean maybe if i was in a situation where the opportunity presented itself maybe but I don't see myself going out and looking for that opportunity. Um, you know, I don't have any formal training in coaching or anything like that. I'm not even qualified as a damn lifeguard. Um, right. So I, I feel like I'd probably have to do some certifications before I could really be coaching. Um, but I'm not going to say no, you know, if, if I was somewhere and it was, you know, Hey, we need a coach for the neighborhood swim team. And, you know, yeah, maybe I would. Do you think swimming is one of those sports that go through a, a, a cycle in the kind of general population or care level for, um, the, for the casual sports viewer, not, uh, not for yes, someone? Yes and no. I mean, it does go through cycles. You know, you, uh, you know Penny Alexiak was real good for swimming uh, recruiting there. Um, I would – I mean – this is just an educated guess, but I would imagine a lot of, a lot of little girls started swimming uh, that fall uh, when everything was starting up again, uh, because, you know, she's an amazing athlete, you know, I never, I sure never swam that fast. Um, Not even close. Good God. I remember watching her do that. Um, It was amazing, but yeah, I think it, I think it does have some, but not, I mean, even when swimming is, you know, getting big, 
you know, and I say that, you know, with quotation marks, it still never gets the kind of traction like basketball or football or, or hockey or, or baseball or soccer gets, um, you know, you, some other places. Yeah. Swimming is big in, in some countries like Australia. Swimming is huge over there. Um, Germany, uh, you know, there, there are places where swimming is, is, is very popular. Japan, uh, I believe swimming is quite popular there as well. Um, but, you know, Michael Phelps was, was good for, for the sport. He, he, put, he put swimming in a, more vi- in a more visual place than I think it's ever, ever had been. Now, do you think, so at least here in Canada, if for the longest time it was like hockey players who were the big stars. And then yeah. once Vince Carter started to do well for, for the Raptors, uh, we started to see this uptick in basketball. And now that, you know, 20 years later, since uh, Vince Carter really blew it up, we're seeing those kids who grew up and wanted to play basketball. They're starting to play basketball now and get into the NBA and make a name for Canada basketball anyways and mm-hmm. soccer's kind of looks like it's heading in that way but soccer has been one that really kind of needed a superstar but just by happen chance we're starting to get recognizable names in Canadian soccer yeah do you think uh do you see more of those niche sports like swimming with Penny uh tennis with uh Milosh and do you see those rising stars? Do you think those kind of what, quote unquote niche sports or Olympic sports, do you see with their success uh, kind of in the next few Olympic cycles that Canada's going to start to care more because we're going to be metal threats more because we definitely care when we are metal threats in sports, but yeah. when we're not, it's like, Oh, the Canadian field hockey team qualified for the Olympics. Great. They're going to lose every game, but good for them. We, I mean, I don't know. I don't also, know because I, I love the Canadian men's field hockey team. No, no, no knock. I just I've heard that in the the talk. I I do think you guys are actually going to win a game, but just putting it out there in the internet so no one roasts me for field hockey. But um, I don't know because I mean Canada always has a couple of swimmers who are metal threats. Yes, right. We always do. You know, there's all, you know, there's Ryan Cochran, um, Brent Hayden, actually Brent Hayden, really good example of why I think Canadian, I don't know if Canadians will ever care about. So it's been a long time since I talked, since I remembered his story. So I might be wrong about some of the facts, but I'm pretty sure it was in Athens in 04. Brent Hayden was a favorite to medal in the hundred free. And then something happened he got arrested by like Greek riot police. It was like a case of mistaken identity. And he got like, I don't know if he, because he was arrested, he missed the, he had to pull out of the race or because of injuries that he sustained during his arrest that he had to pull out of the race, but he didn't race in Athens and he didn't medal. And, uh, you know, nobody talks about that. You imagine if that happened to Sidney Crosby or one of like, not, or, or, or one of our Olympic hockey players or somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it would, it so would be I, in the... I, I just, I don't know if Canada's ever going to really care about swimming. I mean, maybe if, if Michael Phelps had been Canadian, you know, but at the same time, what that man did was 
So do you think this coming Olympics in 2021, who kind of takes that mantle? Because I remember in 96 and then into 2000, it was Ian Thorpe. And then Michael Phelps, you know, 2004 yeah. was still a baby face, but was ma- starting to make a name for himself. Do we, do we even have a Oh, person? yeah. There's always, um, you know, I mean, I'm about to butcher some names here, but um, um, there's always people who are a lot more... Um, I mean, there's always the swimming superstar, right? You know, there's, let me see right here. There's um, Sarah Sustrom. Like I told you, I was going to butcher these names, Uh, but she's a Swedish swimmer. Um, She did really well at the 2016 Olympics. You know, Katie Ledecky um, is another one. Is it is it time yeah. that a, a female emerges as the next face of swimming rather than another? Male? I think you could make the argument that Katie Ledecky already has. Um, she is an incredible, incredible athlete, um, and yeah, uh, I th- I think you could make the argument that she has or or that. Um, there are a number of swimmers, um, particularly women swimmers, actually, now that I'm talking about it, because, yeah, I, I think you could make the argument that there already is one. Now, do you think swimmers in particular take being successful at the Olympics uh, a little more than being successful at a world championship because of the implications with sponsorship uh, so they take the Olympics a little more seriously than, than definitely championship. Definitely. I think they do. Um, you know, no, no disrespect whatsoever to, to Penny Alexiak, but I don't know if she, you know, if she had done a, had a performance like that at a world championships where she, you know, won the medals that she won, swam the times that she swam, but just did it at a world championships. I don't know if it would have opened the doors for her in terms of sponsorships that she now has. Um, just because the Olympics is, is a bigger platform. You know, the Canadian public is not watching world championship swimming. They're watching the Olympics though. Do you think she, she and the the women's swim team in general, do you think they have uh, kind of an upper hand going into 2021 or do you think there's more pressure now? I, I do think you, do you maybe think that goes out is, the window because of what we've had and there's I mean now maybe a gap it does year. maybe it does there's a gap year I mean the thing about it's what has always kind of bummed me out a little bit about swimming and the fact that you know the the big event in swimming that comes is every 4 years you know 4 years is a long time athletically um you know a lot can happen in that time it's al- it's almost like a process to train your body to a four year cycle, and then when something happens like this, or uh, you get injured, or anything like, it throws everything off. Yeah, absolutely, and and it, you know, it's it's not like basketball where you have the championship every year, and I mean, you know, yeah, it's one, you know, how many times in a row did the Golden State Warriors win it? you know, over a four year period, like let's say they won it four years in a row. 
you know, okay, but how are you guys looking between year one and year four? Mm-hmm. That's a long time. And, uh, you know, not, I'm not knocking the Warriors or basketball in any way. It's just, you know, it, it's a big gap and you got to keep your body at its peak. And not only do you have to do that, but you got to deal with all the up and comers now too, right? You got four years where, you know, like let's say you make it to the Olympics when you're 18. Last time around, you were 14. You do a lot of growing up in that four years, you know? So I, I have always wished that the big, that world championships was bigger and, and that it mattered a little bit more. What is your favorite part of watching uh, swimming in the Olympics or the Olympics in general? It's my favorite part about watching swimming in the Olympics. Um, well, I, I suppose my favorite part about the Olympics is I can see the two sports that I did, the, the two sports that I've done on like the same big event. I can watch equestrian eventing and swimming. But my favorite thing about watching swimming is just, just how impressive all of the swimmers are. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the people that make it to the finals or all of them. It's just, it's so incredible watching people do that, you know, bang out a hundred flies in, you know, well under a minute. It's, it's because I've, 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 I've swam that. I know how hard that is. And, you know, like I, it's, to me, it's, 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 and this is just my person. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, it's more impressive to me than watching basketball or, or other things like that. And I don't, really know why because i've played basketball i mean i'm terrible but it's yeah i just it leaves me in awe i think that's what makes sports so unique to every single person is everyone has their own experiences and you know likes and dislikes and to be able to see something that you competed you know how tough it is and you can equate it and then watching that on tv and being super impressed by someone doing it and you can just describe how tough it is to in minute detail and how they may be achieved to get that time because they cup their hand a little bit slight. Yeah. I think that's, that what makes sports poetic is like you, oh, you have that connection. Oh. And well, I, I still remember watching Olympics. It, I think it was 2012. No, it was 2000. I can't remember which year it was, but Michael Phelps won the hundred fly by a, the tiniest fraction. He won it literally on the most technical, in the most technical way possible. When you swim in butterfly, there's, you can call it the upstroke and the downstroke. And you always want to finish on the upstroke where you're coming in like this. And that's what he did. And the guy was beating him. And Phelps got to the wall just a hair quicker and they tried to protest it, but it, it, it was just an amazing thing. And yeah, it was one of the most impressive things I'd ever seen still is. So what is it about um, big events like the Olympics uh, or in, you know, the more niche sports watching world championships, what is it that brings everyone together to celebrate? Oh, I think it's just an us versus them mentality. It's just this, it automatically engages that national pride. 
right? It's real easy to not care about, you know, basketball and football and things like that. Cause you know, how many football teams are there? Right. It, it, but when you start throwing the, you know, the national whatever team, it just, it automatically changes everything about it in my opinion and just kick something in with people that they might not have otherwise. Like I'll be the first one to admit it. I really don't care much about hockey, but I care about Olympic hockey for some reason. <laughs> I, right? It has, it has that spell. Yeah. Like, now are you, are you one of those people that are okay with sports like hockey or basketball allowing quote unquote professionals to compete? Yeah. I don't have any problem with that. I, 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 you know, again, because the Olympics is every four years, right? If the Olympics was every single year, I think you could make that argument that, Hey, you can't, you can't go off on the four years and earn yourself a, a, a very profitable or lucrative living that, you know, I'd be doing it if I could. <laughs> right. And, and then you can't come back and, or like, you know, what about, you know, some people who are from like, maybe, you know, you know, they, they play in the NHL, but they're from Latvia, right? Like now they've got a chance to be on their national team. Like, mm-hmm. no, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I it, think the hockey at the last, like you, you could tell with some teams, like the quality wasn't because in quote unquote, most, most of the top players are going to be playing professionally to make money because they are very good at what they do. It's not like it's not like the people in sports that don't have a big professional way to go about it. Like it's not like the people that play badminton. It's not like they wouldn't do it if they could. Yeah, exactly. You wanted to sign them a contract for four years, sixteen million dollars, <laughs> or whatever somebody's you know whatever they get, they would do it. They just don't have those opportunities. Now the one sport uh, that I don't know if ever will have professional is baseball because the summer Olympics baseball uh, is back and clearly it's not, they're not taking a break like hockey does for the winter uh, and basketball is already on a break. So they don't have to build the break into their schedule, but baseball's never done that. And I, that's why like team USA or team Canada, like, they don't it's always like team japan or puerto rico puerto rico doesn't but like uh, a lot of the asian <laughs> countries see that's the thing baseball did like made this whole like world kind of tournament and did it before so all the top athletes could play but major league baseball can make money kind of like what hockey did uh so it was actually like a good baseball world tournament because you had all the top players playing against each other. And then after that, people were like, Oh, so you're going to build like an Olympic break. And they're like, no, we don't make any money off that. And it's like, not what the Olympics are about, but yeah, being able to represent your country is, you know, something more that money cannot buy, even representing your city or town. It gives you that little bit extra pride that you are able to do that because you are good at what you're doing. Absolutely. 
So last few questions here. Uh, do you miss swimming? Parts of it. You know, I, I miss, uh, I miss the shape it kept me in. You know, I, 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 to this day, I don't know if there's a better way to get a solid full body workout, you know, that's solid full body condition oriented, conditioning oriented workout. You know, there's very little impact because you're not out there running, you know, so there's not in, in no real impact on your knees and things like that. You know, the injury that I got from swimming, you know, the injury I did, I did it in the weight room. And then what happened was I just didn't treat it properly and just kept swimming. So it was more of an overuse thing than anything else. But it's, it's just a very, I mean, that's why swimming is always being used in like physical recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do miss it. It, it. it was also a great way to just meditate on the day almost because you got your head under the water. You can't hear anybody. It's, you know, alone with your thoughts. I miss the, you know, the team aspect, you know, but at the same time, there's some things I don't miss. I don't miss having to do 40 100s, which is a set of 40 100 meter swims. So it's a 4,000 meters. By the time you're done, you're just going to swim 4,000 meters. That sounds gross. It's a horrible experience. It would take you like two hours. It was one of my coaches like, it would either be a punishment or we got to work hard today. Practice. Oh, worst. 4,100s. <laughs> so uh, parts of it, but yeah, other parts, no. Uh, and final question, is barbecue cooking a sport? It should be. <laughs> should be a sport. So that's going to do it. Thank you very much for joining us this, uh, this week, uh, Theo. We'll uh, definitely have you on. Thanks for having me. For more sports. And we'll have to have you on for equestrian. Yeah. No, uh, I, I would love to come talk about horses because it's – I'm not sure where I'm pulling the fact from, but I, I, my understanding is it's the second most dangerous sport in the world after skydiving in terms of how serious your accident is going to be if you have an accident. Well, you'll have to stay tuned and come back for that. (laughs) Uh, So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thank you so much, Theo, for coming on the podcast. We'll have to get you back uh, when it comes time to the Olympics. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so very much for joining us, for listening. Uh, Hopefully you're enjoying the first weekend of NFL games along with all the other sports that we mentioned earlier that are going on you have so much to choose from you know what plan a day reserve the couch reserve the computer or TV and just enjoy yourself as the weather starts to get cooler in the evening maybe uh, bring the TV outside for one last uh, watch outside before it gets super cold here in Canada It's going to be, we're getting there, folks. Sports are happening. NFL is back. Uh, Lots of people are very, very excited. Uh, The fall is coming. Get outside. Get those lovely fall air walks going. Hopefully you have some fall sports to look forward to. Maybe a soccer league, dodgeball, basketball, football. uh, Those last kind of outdoor sports leagues that are really quick. Uh, And then we get into the winter season. 
So thank you all so much for listening. Hopefully have a great, wonderful weekend. Watch those sports. Enjoy uh, your loved one's company. Enjoy your friends. Get a league going. Fantasy league. Talk to each other. Watch games online at a safe distance. Uh, Be safe. And sport on.